When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm. How's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. You heard it straight out of Vegas. Cofield here with R.J. Bell. Wise guys all over the place, but hour one, the wise guy chair. Taken by college football expert Brad Powers. The Vegas lead. We actually come out with some baseball. It's kind of important baseball. The World Series. Good game tonight. Wednesday you know, night. It's pretty telling that we have to explain, hey, we're talking a little baseball <laughs> at the top because it is the World Series. Can I tell you, though, I, I wonder how many football diehard crazy people still carve out time to watch the World Series. But that could be a discussion for another time. I don't know where the World Series, in terms of gambling, has its place on a football weekend. Well, the thing I've always explained is this, and I get asked this all the time. How much money is bet on this, that, the other? 
And my answer is it's almost always aligned with how much interest there is in that sporting event. Look at the ratings, right? If this football game has double the ratings, chances are it had double the betting. I think that's a pretty good guess. But when it's a money line sport, it confuses people. Even if you're just a casual better, will the Patriots win by more than a touchdown? People can quantify that in their mind. But, hey, and let's segue into it, in Game 5, Kershaw is minus 145, and the take back is plus 135 on the Astros. Yeah, people can understand, hey, you got to bet 145 to win 100, and 100 wins you 135 on the dog. But what they don't understand is how much do I have to like the Dodgers, in this case, to lay 145. And even if you convert it to some kind of saying, oh, it's this percentage, it's still, you know, will this team win 60% of the time? That's hard to quantify. Winning by over a touchdown isn't. And I think that's why with baseball, if you look at the interest level, if it's regular season or the playoffs or the World Series, the amount of betting is probably 20% less because of that friction of the money line. What do you think a World Series game does against the biggest college football game? You know, that's interesting. In terms I, can of actually, handle. I can look that up on the break. We'll tease okay. ahead because we actually have up at pregame.com, the Game Center actually shows you going Game Center is the betting handle on every game from our multiple sources. So, Brad, you send out some of the biggest bet games of the year each week, kind of creating some context. If I remember right, the biggest football game so far has been about $2 million. Yeah, as far as the NFL goes. College football, about 800000 yeah, so um, to me, that's a situation where uh, two million with. So it goes to show you the, the the kind of handle our sources have. So it'll be interesting to see one of the you know the biggest NFL game was two million, and after the break, I'll be able to check and see what tonight's World Series game was. Well, let's get into the big college football games of the day. The biggest was Penn State and Ohio State. We get a uh, early start, so we don't have all these games jammed up. At night, Penn State getting seven. They lead the entire way, dominating through a quarter and a half. They wind up fumbling it away and losing to Ohio State 39-38. What happened? Well, it's funny. They were dominating on the scoreboard, but not necessarily in the box score because when you look at the box score at the end of the game, Ohio State outgained them by almost 250 yards. I thought it was a very sloppy performance by Ohio State. Ten-plus penalties. They're allowing a kick return touchdown. That might be more the talent of Saquon Barkley, but a very sloppy played game until the fourth quarter. Biggest takeaway I get is that we might have a new front runner when it comes to the Heisman. JT Barrett completes 16 straight passes to end the game. They score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They outrun Penn State 19-3. to They get the come from behind win, and now they have a clear path towards the national title. That was a big debate on your dream preview over JT Barrett and how talented he is, and I didn't get all the, I'm not going to say hate, dislike or distrust of JT Barrett. Well, it was Ken Thompson, and Ken is very knowledgeable with college football. But here's what I found out, Steve. I'm an alum of the Ohio State (laughs) University, and I am a longtime and very well-known Steeler fan. So 
when I, I am in the perfect position to understand how pettiness and hate and jealousy can cloud people's minds. And if you're, if you're not a Buckeye fan and you're a big football fan, you just get sick and tired of the Buckeyes won another national title. Oh, look, they're on TV again. So I think sometimes it clouds people's judgment. Well, I guess what I didn't get is that Ken was saying JT Barrett can't throw the ball down the field. And, Which, he, and well, he can, and he did it often in this game, and I thought he was pretty accurate throwing down the field. He was certainly accurate overall. He was 33 of 39. Well, here's the question. And I was surprised when you just said a Heisman front runner. So right now, if you were, what, were, what were Barrett's odds entering this week? 10 to 1. And how many people, who, were, who was so here's a, The odds were uh, Barkley at uh, minus 225, Bryce Love, who uh, didn't play on Thursday, 3 to 1, Baker Mayfield 12. And you mentioned, I have Barrett at 14, but whatever, 10. So Barrett was fourth. All right. And you think he's jumped ahead to a guy that was minus money? Well, I did say we might, but I, I'm what saying it's going to be one, two. Well, we he might. just beat the guy that was number one. And, and his team destroyed Saquon Barkley outside of the kick return and yes. one long TD run. Beyond that, he had like 31 carries well, for 24 on, yards. Hold on a second, though. If you have two long touchdown runs in a game, <laughs> you, oh, hey, he had a horrible game. He had two long touchdown runs. Listen, we don't, we're in Vegas, baby. We don't go by you might. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the world might end tomorrow, too, right? Is who is going to be, in your expert opinion, the Heisman favorite? After today, it's still going to be Saquon Barkley, okay. but number two Wait, is JT I, Barrett. I disagree. Heisman voters vote for stories. Well, you, don't think, you think they look at the numbers at the end of the season? They vote for stories. So now, now that uh, JT Barrett has the head-to-head win, Barkley loses in that head-to-head battle. Now, Barrett could fall apart. Ohio State could lose another game or two, and then he falls back. It's about winning. But on the Dream Preview, and obviously the college football edition this week is what I'm referencing, we also have the pro football edition, which has Fezzik, me, and bookmaker Matty Holt. By the way, we're going to have a best bet from the Dream Preview in the second hour for Matty. We've got that pulled out. Just the 40 seconds of best bet for you, the very best stuff, is I asked you, Brad, where does Barrett rank in quarterback play in the country? And you said 12 to 15. I did. Okay. So you've reevaluated that. And again, that's two different questions. Right? Your ability to win the Heisman isn't necessarily correlated to how good of a quarterback you are. It's somewhat correlated to the narrative. It's Obviously, you can't be a horrible quarterback, right? But every year, the Heisman winner isn't the best player, right? We all know that. So do you think, how much have you reevaluated that ranking? Well, I mean, I'll use Joel Klatt's words from today's game. He said that fourth quarter performance he hadn't seen out of anyone in several years in college football. So I would say that was so beyond over the top in a pressure situation that, yeah, I think anyone needs to reevaluate uh, from that performance. And, and here's why he wasn't. But how much? No one's questioning. Listen closely, hey, top, listen top closely to, eight, to the no. question. I'm not questioning, did he play well today? We know that, right? You can turn, turn into some other talk show and hear that. The question is, you had him 12 to 15. How much, and you're saying six to eight now? Yes. Okay, so and what did you see? Because everyone gets hot. I mean, one time, and this is no lie, you're going to think I'm lying here, I made 13 straight three-pointers sitting out on the court. I can promise you we could go a long time before that happens again. That was the old college three. I can't lie. But is if you looked at me there and said, well, how good is RJ? Well, you know, he's about as good as I thought he was before. He just got lucky and made 13 in a row. Are, what are we certain of? What did we see different in Barrett that makes us think that assessment that you had years to make 
is now being so reevaluated. Well, we started to see signs last four or five games. I mean, he has a 21 to 1 touchdown interception ratio. But after coming all into that, the game. you had him at 12 to 15. Yes, because. Based on competition. And he hadn't played anyone. Right. I hadn't seen him perform at that level against a top five team, and we saw it in a pressure situation for the first time in his career. He won them the game. Keep in mind, they won a national title without him after he got hurt. All right. So what you're saying is real quick, and this makes some sense to me. I saw him play really well. The competition was questionable. Now I saw him play well with not only strong competition but high pressure, and that makes me reevaluate, and I'm going to upgrade all those other performances because they seem similar, and thus the lack of competition wasn't the driver of him doing so well. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you, RJ. (laughs) Thank you. Can we grade something else? The coach is moving forward. One, you mentioned the number about Urban Meyer with lots of time to prep. Now, he didn't cover here, but the number was incredible coming in, right? Urban Meyer with with extra time to prep for a big game. 47 and 4 straight up, 36 12 and 1 against the spread. So now 48 and 4. But for our purposes, yeah, against the I, spread, yes. But against the spread, 36 and 13. Now, just to be clear, late money on Ohio State. Yes. Right? I saw seven and a half and even some juice. I mean, did I see that right? You did. All right. What do we think of this? James Franklin, road game, top 25 team. He's. 0-9 overall, 0-4 at Penn State. Obviously, Vandy's not really a fair shake. So what do we think of James Franklin? Because I thought he got amazingly conservative when he had a chance to lengthen the lead. And I know he's leaning on arguably the best player in the country, but their strength is in their front seven, not the back end. Throw the ball. Yeah, I thought it was questionable. They sat on the lead, got conservative. And let's be honest, as far as James Franklin goes, gets a lot of publicity for this hot run Penn State's been on. But this is a guy that... Job was on the line middle of last year. Got a couple of fortunate breaks in a couple of games. They took off from that point forward. He's still, in my opinion, not a top 10 coach nationally. Really? No. Wow, but, that's wrong. Yeah, I agree that he was almost going to be fired, but Belichick got fired too, right? So getting fired from the Browns. So getting fired or not isn't about necessarily how good you are as a coach. It's what the situation is in a given program. So the day before he was at the high point of getting fired last year, where you would have said the odds of him getting fired are the highest I've ever seen, would you? where would you have ranked him as a coach in college football? Not even in the top 25. What? Okay, so what you've done now is, is what you've seen since – and you're saying it dismissively, oh, a lucky run or whatever, is he's now where in your rankings? Frankly? I'd put him right, right around number 15. I think he's top 10. I think you have to consider the circumstances that he was dealing with. That program got smashed, and they got a little relief off of the Sandusky stuff, but they were smashed for a while in terms of scholarships. He couldn't recruit Penn State-level players. He did a great job turning things around, and I'm not a James Franklin lover at all. Was he's it a- him or the offensive coordinator? That's my major question. Up next, let's hit on Notre Dame and NC State. Uh, power in the trenches. Who was going to win the battle? That is on the way straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas. Coming to you from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. RJ Bell is here at Steve Cofield, Wise Guy Chair. It's Brad Powers. We need a question answered on betting handles, World Series versus football. Yeah, so as we mentioned up at the pregame.com, you can get the betting handle from multiple sources. We aggregate it for you. Let's create a little context here. The Ohio State-Penn State game, $798,000 through the sources bet on the game. So eight hundred k 
the World Series game for 750k. So just a smidge less than the biggest bet football game of the day, given a lot of, you know, obviously in a way that's negative for baseball. Look, it's your biggest, you know, game of the or seven games potentially of the year and a midseason college football game is beating it. But on the other hand, the fact that it's Ohio State, Penn State in the World Series comparable betting, I think it's a good sign for baseball betting in general. Real quick, Brad. I wanted to talk because you do the power ratings every week and you post them up Tuesdays, right? Up at the site. And you do one to 130. And we know Bama's one. Ohio State's two entering yesterday, three points better than anyone else. And that kind of correlated to the line of the Buckeyes being favored by home field plus about three and maybe a little more once the line moved in Ohio State's favor today due to the betting on the Buckeyes. What are you doing with the rating for the Buckeyes and for Penn State off this game? Because by definition, Ohio State fell short of expectation by not covering. Yeah, not much. At most, maybe a half a point. I guess I'm not totally grasping you know, how the game played out. Obviously, they deserve not to cover. But the, the box score says they should have won the game by double digits. All right, so half point for Buckeyes. What do you do with Penn State? You know, here's the worry that I have. How does this loss affect them? Because you had the game won. Moving forward, is this a dream crusher for you? Because now you need Ohio State to lose two conference games. Odds of that happening aren't not. So this is a team that's yeah. But I mean, if Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl, are they going to be really disappointed? Not in the end, but I think right now they would have been when you had the national playoff. All right, but but I was going to say here's the carrot: the college football playoff is still there. It is. It is. For Penn State, I, I'm not they, sure. They've proven that even if you don't win your division or you make your title game, I mean, you can would, still make wouldn't it. Wouldn't Penn State be exactly like Ohio State last year? But Ohio State took so much flack because of their performance against Clemson yeah. that they said conference championships are going to put more of a priority on winning one this year more than anything. And I'll tell you this. If you're going to lose a game, losing a last-second comeback at Ohio State yep. is probably that other than losing – by the same kind of game at Bama, that's the best loss you could possibly have. Gosh, guys, I think Penn State's a monster favorite to make the Final Four if they win out. I mean, what four teams are you going to take over them? What scenario is that that you can come up Georgia with? Georgia has to beat Alabama. Well, Seriously, that's what that's what would have to happen. Then we get Georgia, we get Alabama. Yeah, I mean, what if you got a one-loss Clemson? They're in. Uh, a one-loss Big 12 champion? Everyone I, I, has to run the table. Right. I think for but, style but here, points here's what point, we Clemson. know. Here's what we know. It doesn't matter if you have a clear path that you that that is a, or let me say it this way it doesn't matter if there's a certain path what matters is there's a reasonable path right and if could you imagine Penn State players saying guys you know let's go out drinking tonight let's get the guy case of natty light we've been talking about because we if we win out there's a chance we won't make it. No, the fact that there's a chance that they will is the key. So what do you do with the Penn State? I don't adjust their power rating too much all right, at all. So, so what you're telling me here, and this is fascinating, if this, if the czar of sports, I think Bill Simmons said he wanted to be the czar, right? <laughs> is if he said, okay, I'm ordering Dana White style a rematch next week, Ohio State, Penn State in the shoe. This line was seven and a half. What's the line? Six and a half or seven. What do you think, Fez? 
I agree with that. I actually think, though, the power rating for Penn State should go up considerably because now when they play a Maryland or somebody, they need to run up the score. So against a lesser opponent, you've got to have two power ratings for this team. They've got to have style points now. That's it. And, and not to get buried in the weeds, so I'll do this in 10 seconds. There's two different ways, or a lot of ways to do power ratings. The one I like is it's just how good the team is with no other factor, and then everything else gets handicapped on top of it. Now, the team that could upset the apple cart is Notre Dame. So they play NC State. They take care of them. They run freaking through them, over them, 35-14, because they're going against a lot of these ACC teams and freaking rolling them. Uh, this game today, there was there was no doubt, right? I mean, they got power play in the trenches, and they freaking dominated. They're down 14-7 early, and then from that point forward, absolutely dominated NC State. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Notre Dame's domination line of scrimmage. It's almost Bama-esque. Now on the season, 30 rushing touchdowns on offense, still only one rushing touchdown allowed. Today, 318 rushing yards, only allowed 50. And let me say this, as far as historically speaking, this is one of the best Notre Dame teams in probably a quarter century. They've run off six straight wins by 20 points or more. They haven't done that since 1966. So here's the question. Is we identified, because we had Colin Cowherd saying Notre Dame is overrated, we had Joel Klatt saying maybe a little underrated, but even entering today. But Klatt said something very interesting. If they play a team that is exceptional against the run, it could be a real problem for them. We entered in thinking NC State was that team. Have we reevalu was Notre Dame looking at the game able to run or did they start throwing? No, they ran it right down NC State's throat. And you wouldn't have guessed that. I would not. I would have said. So, is there any team in the country? You know these teams in and out. You're put doing power ratings to a hundredth of a point. Who has the best rushing defense in college football? Alabama. All right. And who's number two? Um, pure talent, or we're talking? I'm saying on the on the. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you're giving me these. Uh, yeah, I mean, pure talent. Maybe Clemson. Three would be Ohio State. All right. So Clemson. Then Georgia before. All right, so Clemson versus Notre Dame. Can Notre Dame run? No. All right, so where would you put NC State on that list of rush defenses? Coming into the day, I would have put them in the top 10. All right, so they they run on 10, but you're sure they can't run on four. Or not sure, but you feel strongly. They couldn't run on number four, Georgia. They only had 55 yards. Okay, now, and are they running just as well now, or 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 have they gotten better? Here, that's the question. You know, we've had six straight games with them running really well since that performance, and they were relatively young at the quarterback spot. Maybe he's getting them into better run reads. Can I make a run at a future ticket, national title? You know, not a big piece, but I think a small piece because, I, to be honest with on you. On Notre Dame? How, how do we get value on, I mean, to me, if you take Notre Dame, one of the five biggest brands in college football, used to be the biggest, I think top five now, and then you add in the, the idea that they are on such a hot streak, and you add in, lastly, the fact that the futures pools have more public money than any other pool, how can we think there's value on Notre Dame? Compared to where they were at the preseason, no. But all I'm saying is if you wanted to do I one don't care. now— I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't care yeah. where they were in the preseason. And, Fez, you can affirm me on this. All we care about is what's the true odds— and what's the payout? And if the payout is bigger, we have an overlay, right? That's kind of handicapping 101. So do you believe a 20 to 1 is 5%, right? Do, does Notre Dame 
have better than a 5% chance to win the title. I would put it at 75 or 10% right now. No. Way lower. <laughs> here, well, here's why. No, this is good. They've got to run the table, obviously. They're at Miami, who we think is overrated. They're at Stanford. I think it's a little bit of a leap of faith to say they've got a 50% chance to win both of those games because they won't be – what will the spreads be? Right around Pickham, maybe Notre Dame small favorite. Yeah, so make your guesses. All right, so what is that? But you just said that. So they don't have a 50% chance of winning their two toughest games. How does that make it below 7%? So they got a 40% chance, let's say, to make the final four. Okay. They're only going to have a one in five chance to beat Bama. Everyone's going to remember when they're a 10-point dog and they lost by a zillion in, in the title game. So right there, we're at 0.4 times another one-fourth. We're already getting to, to un- yeah. un- and that does. And listen, when you're a 21-point favorite, you can still lose those games too, right? It's just very unlikely. But to me, that's exactly – this was a great conversation because we're getting down to the how good these teams are and then what does that mean for their chance to win it. And as you saw with Fezzik's analysis, it's not only how good the team is, it's also what's their path to get to the playoffs. Now, George is another team in the mix, laying 14 against Florida, supposed rivalry spot, look like Florida laid down. What does the 42-7 win mean? Well, total domination from start to finish for Georgia. What it means is, you know, what we've seen from Georgia all season outside of the Notre Dame game, they've won all their games by 20-plus points. They don't necessarily have a clear path right now to the SEC championship game. They do to the SEC championship game, but as far as going undefeated, they have one game where they could be possibly an underdog at Auburn. The biggest takeaway is on the other side, Florida, <laughs> especially if you watch the press conference afterwards. looked like McIlwain has pretty much resigned to the fact that he's not going to be the Florida head coach next season. He was pretty flippant about it. They asked him about his job security. He's like, who knows? Anything could happen. Well, if I read correctly, they're looking to try to avoid the buyout. I mean, it's at the point they're they're figuring, can they, was there something they can fire for cause based upon this, you know, death threat and all the, the stuff we talked about yesterday being a potential distraction? You ever hear anything like that? Someone reports that they're getting threatened. They bring him in. He can't specify. And then later in the week, they're like, all right, we got to get him out of here. You know, here's the thing you I've been around a lot of coaches, you know, probably, you know, had dinner or at least an hour conversation with maybe 15 or 18 head coaches at the D1 level. They're usually smart people, but they're not brilliant usually. And they're also, you know, by definition older, right? So these 50-year-olds are, don't really understand Twitter, don't understand social media. And then let's be candid is when when it seems like drama is what sells, you know, people think of, you know, mentally ill people as like someone in the corner, you know, drooling or whatever. There's all kind of, you know, I think <laughs> around Vegas, you get a good dose of them, right? Is who knows if this person's a little off? I mean, again, I'm not talking about him because I know nothing about him. But it's not I, I can guarantee you amongst those 130 teams, Brad, that you rank in Division One, there's probably six, seven coaches with, with true mental illnesses. And and the question is, 5%, does that seem crazy? And so the question is, if you have that bright, bright lights mm-hmm. of, of a job like Florida, at some point 
potentially start to crack. I also think he believes it's not a match and he has jobs waiting for him. Or he believes he has jobs yeah, waiting you for him. This that, is a terrible look, though. But that's the thing. The worst <laughs> thing you could do is be the guy that faked the death threat, right? You want to talk about a career killer. I'd much rather lie about getting a master's degree on a resume. <laughs> Absolutely. TCU uh, loses in an upset. We'll get into that game. We'll find out uh, what the story is in the Big 12 moving forward. But with the latest, Steve DeSager. Thanks, guys. It was a great World Series game again tonight in Houston. The Dodgers were trying to get even in the seventh inning. Forsyth has tied this game. Bellinger to the plate, and a two-out RBI hit makes it 1-1. Eventually, five runs top of the ninth, breaking the 1-1 tie. 6-2 LA, the final. DH Jock Peterson, a three-run homer. Cody Bellinger doubled and scored in that seventh to tie. He also hit the go-ahead double in the top of the ninth after being 0 for the series. The loss to closer Ken Giles. Houston's offense was 1 for 26 until a late homer. Series tied at two games apiece. Fox TV will again have Game 5 Sunday night after 8 p.m. as well. Clayton Kershaw against Dallas Keuchel. Houston had been undefeated at home in this postseason. Hadn't even trailed at home this month until the ninth inning tonight. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Number 21 ranked USC dominated the first half and now leads 38-17 at Arizona State. About six minutes to go in the third. Also in progress, Boise State about to go to 4-0 in the Mountain West leading late 41-14 at U Utah State. Fresno State was 4-0 in conference, but lost at home to UNLV 26-16. San Diego State's already lost a couple this year, but they're up in the late game at Hawaii 21-7 early third quarter. Number two Penn State led most of the day, but Ohio State with two late touchdown passes beat them 39-38. Notre Dame beat NC State. Oklahoma State, a winner at West Virginia in the rain. Nine turnovers total in that one. Arizona State tonight is upset number 15 Washington State 58-37. Arizona had trailed briefly mid-third quarter. Next Saturday, Arizona's at USC. Northwestern in triple overtime upset Michigan State, and Houston got a late touchdown run to win at number 17, South Florida. Back to you. Thank you. Wise Guys Chair, it's Brad Powers. We're breaking down college football. R.J. Bell is here at Steve Cofield, straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Rapid fire, we go Real quick. 10 games in 10 minutes. Oh, I like or that. Or faster. That's catchy. But before that, when... Steve came in and was saying, that was great. I thought he was talking about the first half hour. It was like, man. And then he goes, the World Series game. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not disagreeing, but they can both be great. It goes without saying, guys, that, of course, the oh, first half oh, hour. Very nice. Don't eat, that's, not, that's not news. That's not from the news desk. That's just expected. Exactly. Oh, so you're saying editorial, great first half hour straight out of Vegas. There you go. Awesome. So TCU falls today. The Big 12 just cannibalizing itself. A top 25 team, huh? Iowa State. They got it done. They were catching uh, seven, seven and a half, and they uh, they more than covered. They won it outright. Tuition paid for uh, Brad Powers. That was the best bet. And I'll, I'll say this. Iowa State was clearly the, the right side in this one, even though TCU turned the football over twice inside the 10-yard line. Iowa State's defense is what's impressing me week after week as they continue to shut down some of these Big 12 offenses. Here's the reality of the situation right now. Iowa State is a legitimate threat to win the Big 12. They host Oklahoma State. They've already beaten the two maybe top power-rated teams as far as TCU and Oklahoma, and both games have been legit. It's not been a phony final. Matt Campbell's second year at Iowa State has things rolling. So is this similar to the JT Barrett handicap, which is we saw him doing it against lesser teams. 
uncertain if he could against elite competition. He did. Now you reevaluate. Iowa State defense playing well wasn't against this level of competition, and now you're surprised. Yes, they stepped up, and now you reevaluate. Absolutely. Let's talk about faulty finals. We have a couple of them. Uh, I thought West Virginia could hang in this game. It was 50-39. to 39. Oklahoma State wins, laying 7.5, but it wasn't that close. So real quick, the faulty final concept. The scoreboard, especially in college football, is what people are slaves to. They don't watch all these games. So if a final score is different than the truth of the game, that faulty final is something we identify for you, and you can take advantage of it because teams will be over or underrated based upon faulty finals. And the faulty uh, performance of this game was quite simply 50 seconds of this game, where in the 50 seconds, West Virginia got a punt block touchdown and an interception return touchdown. You take out that 50 seconds from every other point in the game, Oklahoma State's clearly the better team, should have won this game by three touchdowns. Moving forward, what happens? Okie State down the road now. Uh, Oklahoma State, to me, defensively, is starting to show some signs that they can make multiple stops in a game, which you don't normally see in a lot of Big 12 defenses. And they're also healthier on the offensive line, which they weren't last week. To me, moving forward, and we got a big one next week with them hosting Oklahoma, they'll be a slight home favorite. I like to uh, describe the faulty final when people say, a win's a win. No, it's not always a win. you got, you got to dig deep. A win is not always a win. Remember now. There's two different ways to look at games. One is what does the win or loss mean to winning a division, winning, getting in the playoffs, whatever sport we're talking about, right? So imagine a seven-game World Series where you have three losses that you should have won. Doesn't really matter, right? How good you are. It matters once you lose that fourth game, you are done. Mm -hmm. So I think if you look at it like as a fan or something – I'm a big Steelers fan, right? If they're in the playoffs and they have a faulty final where it looks like you know they they just barely win, <laughs> but they should have lost, I'm like, who cares, baby? Right. Let, on to Cincinnati. Well, that wouldn't necessarily be the case in the playoffs. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if you're a fan, a win is a win. If you're a handicapper, we're trying to learn with new data how good these teams are. Next faulty final, Arkansas catching two and a half wins against Ole Miss 38-37. Yeah, you think uh, it's a shootout. Uh, those teams traded scores back and forth. No, not true. Arkansas down 31-7. to And the big story here, if that play- would have played out, Brett Bielema's job would have certainly been uh, under scrutiny. And then some, they rally, get a pump block touchdown, and also a field goal in the final minutes. They win the game outright to save Bielema's job for another week. Another faulty final. Maryland beats Indiana 42-39. Indiana outgains them by 150 yards, out first downs them 35 to 17. The biggest takeaway that I get from that one is that's the second straight week Indiana's had a misleading final. They should have easily covered, if not one outright at Michigan State. I find value moving forward now at Indiana. So this is interesting. Last week, anyone at Batham lost, but they should have won. This week, anyone at Batham lost on the spread, should have won. So not only do you have a situation where this team's better than the scoreboard, because in the example you gave in Okie State, they still covered, right? So it's one thing to say, hey, they should have won by even more, but you've got that real-world affirmation. I bet Okie State I won. People aren't really thinking that they win by 30 or whatever. Now this is even more important. I bet on Indiana and I lost. Next week I bet on Indiana and I lost. The fact they should have won both times – means that that mispricing is even stronger, I think, to Indiana's advantage, underrated. Another faulty final, Michigan State. 
laying two and a half against Northwestern. You like Northwestern. You said take the points. They might win outright. They did win outright, 39-31. What's wrong with that? Well, the, the, the faulty final is more with the, the total score of the game. Okay. These are two dead-nut-under teams. This was the lowest total on the board this week at 40. At the end of regulation, it played out. It was 17-17. You had 36 points scored in the three overtimes. I'll, look, as you move along towards the rest of the season, a lot of people are just reading final scores. They forget that that game went to three overtimes. Find value in the under on Michigan State Northwestern. Should you be fired up as Northwestern now is taking on Nebraska? No, I think this is a case where Northwestern's off back-to-back overtime wins. Nebraska got a big wing tonight. I'm looking to play against Northwestern after back-to-back emotional wins. The what-the-blank final of the day. Louisville was laying three at Wake Forest. Deeks win outright 42 32, that was also pros versus Joes. It was, and again, the, the pros really took it to the Joes here. That was a 10-point win for Wake Forest. Should have been a three-touchdown win. Lamar Jackson, again, has 500 total yards of offense, four touchdowns. He's the best player on the field, but the reality is it's a below-average Louisville defense allowed nearly 500 yards passing to an average quarterback for Wake Forest. I want one quick takeaway. UCLA catching 17 and a half. At number 12, Washington. Washington rolls 44-23. you got to be fired up about Washington. Well, you got to be fired up. Let's give you some props. You did win your totals play yesterday on the over. It was over 58. Good job. But you should be sold now in Washington. No, I'm not because, again, UCLA is an average team. Didn't see completely a buy sign. And keep in mind, in the last 20 minutes of the game, Josh Rosen's out for UCLA. Something to keep mind of if you're looking to back UCLA moving forward. Good job, Brad Powers. Fezzik moves into the wise guy chair next with his top three takeaways from the college football weekend. Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Steve Cofield along with RJ Bell. And now we've got what? The wise guy love seat because we've got two wise guys in here. We'll, <laughs> well make it a big couch. Well, listen, Brad Powers and Fezzik are here. Brad had a couple of takeaways that I thought America has to hear Coast to Coast 330 <laughs> stations, Sirius Channel 83, the iHeartRadio app. Go, Brad, number one. These are our rapid-fire takeaways. Michigan beats Rutgers 35-14, but there was a major change at quarterback. Yeah, Michigan has another new quarterback, and this one being Brandon Peters, who actually gave life to their offense. First three drives, three touchdowns. You could sense it even watching on TV in the stadium, on the sidelines. This is a guy that the fans have been clamoring for for the last couple of games. Not Nothing I'm going to upgrade right now because we see that a lot for one-game sample size, but something to keep an eye on Michigan if you see their offense performing well in future weeks. Tell me if my quick takeaway is correct here. John O'Corn isn't playing anymore. Or do they go back to him? He was so hesitant and scared today. Would not pull the trigger. Matt Millen was yelling, throw the ball. His playing days are done at Michigan. Next takeaway, Miami. North Carolina, they struggled with North Carolina laying 21-24-19 win for the Canes. Uh, We've been talking about Miami being overrated. I now can safely say out of all the top 25 teams right now, Miami is the most overrated team in the top 25 no excuses this week other than maybe a look ahead to Virginia Tech, but not the fact that you're a three-touchdown favorite, and statistically you get outplayed from start to finish against a terrible uh, banged-up North Carolina team. So close listeners to straight out of Vegas, and we know that if you bet, well, why not, right? Steve Fezzik last week 
you had as one of your three takeaways of the week. You only get three because you're an NFL expert next hour. Was Miami being overrated? First, though, you want to talk more about that as your first takeaway this week. But let's explain the whole concept of takeaways. The idea is for a pro better like Brad, like Fezzik, it's a mystery. It's almost like watching a whodunit movie. And then each minute that goes by, oh, look, that guy kind of looked cross-eyed at that other gal. Hmm. Maybe he's, you know, now obviously in movies there's red herrings and all this stuff. But in football, in any sport, every week, every game, you're trying to figure what did we learn today. And if you really think about the way this first hour is gone, it's all about Brad spending an insane amount of time preparing for the week of football and then watching so many games and coming in and saying, this is what matters for us to ascertain how good these teams are. So, Fez, give us what led what clues led to your takeaway number one? Yeah, the takeaway is Miami is a complete pretender, overrated. Vegas doesn't believe in clutch. When a team wins game after game, close games, it could go either way. And that this is what happened with Miami of Florida. Coin flip win against Florida State, who's not even any good. Coin flip win against Georgia Tech. Coin flip win against Syracuse when they wind up winning by eight, one score game. And then North Carolina. North Carolina, with their entire team on the injury report, almost beats them outright when this team has to play a real team. They don't have any buys here because the Florida State game got rescheduled. No resting. They're going to get clocked by a good team. Now, here's the question. To be a winning professional batter, you not only have to be correct, you have to be contrary to the public perception. I'm not asking about the $20 batter with the fanny pack. I'm talking about amongst the market makers. Is Obviously, Miami is lower in the eyes of the market makers than, let's say, the Associated Press poll. The question is, is that low enough or is their value fading Miami? Oh, I think there's great value. Look at the point spreads against Syracuse and against North Carolina. This team is laying 20 points and they're struggling just to win outright. Takeaway number two. I like this one. Oklahoma State wins 50 to 39 and you upgrade them. You're saying contender? Oklahoma State is a contender. This is the team. Contender for what? Contender to win it all, Mm. potentially. And what's the future odds entering this week on that? Uh, off the top of my head, forty to one. Mm. Obviously, things have to things have to break <laughs> yeah. right for any Big Curious. Twelve team to to make it happen. I'm looking this up now. But the narrative on Oklahoma State. Remember when they plastered Pittsburgh? They went to Pitt, won forty nine to seven in the first half. We said this team looks great. And then their whole line got injured. Cluster injuries. So the public's thinking, oh, they couldn't move the ball at all against Texas. They barely won 13-10. to 10. Throw that game into the garbage can. What we just saw here, they should have beaten West Virginia 50-23. to 23. But like Brad said, they had a block punt. They had a pick six. Both of those went against them. All right, so here's the question. Is sometimes a team is what they were earlier. They're still the same team now. But something some got us off the scent. Something made us kind of misassess them, and now it's like now we see the truth. And then there's another scenario. A team changes, right? Hey, a team had a problem on defense. Somehow they, you know, or Michigan's quarterback, whatever. So with Okie State, as we've ebbed and flowed, because I can still remember one of our first shows, you were ranting and raving, hair flying, saying Okie State might be the best team in the country. I've never seen a performance. They could have beat Pitt, Pitt 100 nothing. And then a couple weeks later, oh, I was wrong about that one. And now you're saying, oh, they could win it all. 
Is it that you were wrong in the middle, which is fine because you only need to be right 55% to be a professional batter, or is it something has changed? What changed was the O-line got sick, they got hurt, and now the O-line is healthy again. Okay, I love that. I love when there's a definable, when a team goes up and down, I love it to be definable. Why? But 30 minutes ago, you were questioning Notre Dame as a, a valuable team on the odds board for the title, but Oklahoma State has value. Except it sounds like they they're getting double the payout. Well, they're not. They're twenty five to one. So if they're twenty five to one and twenty to one on Notre Dame, that's interesting. Well, you know, you don't, don't tell me you, you like Oakie State over Notre Dame. FS. We'll just bet them in each individual game. Oh, because they have to win out, right? But are you going to do that if the odds are right? And I think they will be because they're going to be undervalued. So you think you're going to think that it's a bettable game on Oakie State every game the rest of the year? We'll see what the odds are. Well, I know that. Oh, you're. It's likely, RJ. <laughs> it's likely. <laughs> Uh, rapid fire, last takeaway. Uh, you also believe that that was a misleading final with Northwestern and Michigan State going to 70. Yeah, so 70 points, Northwestern, Michigan State, and a whole bunch of yards. If anyone looks at that box score, they're going to say, oh, these teams can move the ball. They can't. They're both teams you want to look to play selectively under going forward. I tell you, we got NFL next hour, and I'm going to tell you when Fez, I let Fezzik have one of his favorite big dogs, and he backed away in a crossfire. And we'll also get to the Cowboys and, and Redskins. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio, another hour on the way. Straight out of Vegas! Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio, straight out of Vegas. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. It is Cofield. R.J. Bell is here. Wise guy chair. Hour number two on the NFL. Fezzik. Fezzik. Only two-time Super Contest winner. This is the 31st season of the Super Contest. One man. One man has won it twice. He did it back-to-back just to show off. Let's go, start with the Las Vegas lead here. I, every hour, the Las Vegas lead. Fez, you're looking around. What are you confused about? I'm just want to talk about You're saying like you're getting too much love? I want to talk about the lead. All right. Let's not live in the past. <laughs> Set it up, Steve. So the lead is what happened. Really, it happened last week, but it blew up on Friday. An ESPN.com story pointed Hold out on the a fact. Second. You just said don't live in the past? You're the one with the big picture up at pregame.com. Are you getting the, your second check? It's one of those big jumbo prices, hey, right, tw- checks? You tweet out the past like every three days. Uh, yeah. You don't live in the past. Yeah, yeah. You're active. Don't be all humble. No, listen, the humble brags don't work I'll on retract, National Radio. I'll retract that statement. Some past glory. Glory days works for me, too. So a report comes out. Players owner meeting trying to work out this anthem thing, the players activism. And Bob McNair, the Texans owner, in the meeting Slip of the tongue or what he really meant. He said, listen, we can't have the inmates running the prison. It comes out on Friday. Immediate reaction in Texas from the Texans. Big distraction. DeAndre Hopkins skips a day of work. Here's what we know. And I was on Houston radio that day. Is the line moved significantly? And I tweeted that out. The actual all the line moves on Friday at RJ in Vegas. You can check that out. And it went from about five, so San or Seattle at home, favored by five, to six and a half. And it was moving towards heavy juice towards seven. Now, there's been an an effort, obviously, to quelch this, to, you know, say, hey guys, I'm sorry. So we'll see what the market does and what the market has done in reaction to that. But Fez, I would say I'm in the top 10% thinking that psychological stuff affects players. A lot of professional bettors 
poo-poo that stuff. Oh, it doesn't matter. These are pros, right? And it's like, yeah, but they're, you know, these are pros who, you know, seemingly get mad if their team wins and they don't get enough passes thrown their way and they're kicking stuff over. So I don't think we can really fool. Now, we might say, oh, that's a sign of their immaturity. Or maybe we can say that's why they made it to the pros, right? Because they were kicking stuff over maybe in high school. I don't know enough to know that. But what I know is I don't think the same way these NFL players do. And I think sometimes they get affected by outside influences more than the average professional batter thinks Fez what do you think about this situation I think a distracted team underperforms we've seen it already with the anthem how many times do we have to see the teams they're having the three-hour meetings about what we're going to do and instead of looking at game films at Seattle and breaking down their defense they're having team meetings trying to figure out how to protest what the owner says not a good thing and I would say this from what we know on the outside Cofield and I'm going to ask you this one because I think you're a excellent reader of the media and 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 how much you know the zeitgeist i guess you'd call it it feels like to me that the effect on carolina from what we know i'm sorry on houston from what we know right now is bigger than any team that's been affected by any of this political stuff now we we did see the steelers seemingly be super affected against bears i'm not saying it's going to be bigger than what we saw but entering Entering the week before the game was played, could you make a case that any team was more distracted than Houston this week? The Steelers. I think you brought up the example because there was a split within the team. But and, we, didn't and, know, we didn't know that before the game. Well, we found out afterwards. Exactly. I'm saying, but knowing, coming into the game, right. with, we can only handicap what we know now, right? Right, right. right. Is this is the most distracted team that we saw coming in. They were distracted on Friday. Ten of them were threatening to walk out. Hopkins... Mispractice. Think here's, about here's, that. But it's in the NFL. Know, but here's here's the thing: when the Steelers were split on the anthem deal, this could be a case where the Texans are actually bonded together. Who who in their What's locker was going to be like? Hey, this is cool. You know what? I actually agree with Bob McNair. But, but I like being called an inmate. No, no. I, I think it's actually going to bring them together. I don't think there's any element of the team being split. I think the element is. Let me restate this. I don't think there's any element of the players being split amongst themselves. I think the split is the players against the organization. But and, but Bill O'Brien had some comments that uh, more than supported the players. Okay. So I think they're going to play hard for but their coach. But they know that when they win, yeah. I mean, think about that. Have you ever been in a situation in which <laughs> in which if you do well, someone benefits in a way that it's, you have strong ambivalence that you want to do well, but you don't want them to do well? He's laughing like, yeah, yeah. oh, how many not, of these I'm not going to get myself in trouble with different bosses. <laughs> so, right. so imagine if you're a player and you feel right or wrong, you know, uh, yeah, the big F you, yeah. yeah, is I'm not saying they're not going to try on the field. I'm saying, do you really worry about ordering those chicken wings on Saturday night? Because it might have you be a little sluggish or logy the next day. And I, I think we saw that in the NBA with the Clippers with Sterling, that that affected it's a great analogy. their performance and it hung over them. And it, it just goes back to distractions. You You have to be. Fully focused to win in Seattle in a competitive game anyways. This is one of the toughest road trips in the NFL. And now you got this other garbage to worry about. Bad spot. That was good. That Sterling was good. Now, I might counter my argument that the Texans sometimes, won't be that effective. Sometimes by it. it's good just to say, you know, if you're in a hole, stop digging, Steve. I'm not in a hole. because I, <laughs> I believe the Texans are going to play hard. But here's the thing. 
Could this actually motivate the Seahawks, who are very much activists? Richard Sherman came out and just lambasted Bob McNair. So are they oh, now to, wo- to whoop on McNair's team? Yes. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, that's a good point. Uh, well, let's get <laughs> let's get into the game, Fez. Um, to me, here's the, the the stat of all stats. I mean, it might be the stat of the week. Seattle at home, we agree, have the best home field advantage in the NFL with with Green Bay second, correct? I've got them equal, actually. All right. So one and two in some order. But Seattle in a competitive game, and this line is still not above seven, correct? In a competitive game, Seattle, so that's defined as favored by seven points or less. So not favored by more than a touchdown. Seattle against the spread, 25 with two pushes. 20 wins, five losses, two pushes. By definition, the spread is accounting for how good Seattle has been these years. They exceeded expectation out of the games that didn't push 20 out of 25 times. Why? Because the crowd is the biggest element of Seattle's home field. When it's a competitive game, they're rocking and rolling. And maybe this whole thing against the Texans uh, with, with this controversy might even have the crowd rocking more. And you got a rookie quarterback coming in who's played great. And maybe hits the wall a little bit with the circumstance. One thing for sure, my second handicap on this game is that the Houston defense, these injuries, J.J. Watt, Cushing, their linebacker, out, merciless, out for the year. They're three of their four best players are out, and that's going to catch up to this. On the defensive side. Yes. Rookie quarterbacks in Seattle. This is since 2011. Four times they've played. Seattle's 4-0 straight up. The rookie could now obviously straight up is an ATS. The rookie quarterback, so only 179 yards passing in each of those games on average. That one could be shaky, though. It's Deshaun Watson. We don't have all the names, but is Deshaun Watson the best quarterback they faced? Is this guy yeah. truly a rookie quarterback the way he's playing right now? Well, he's certainly a rookie. Right. He's a but good is he, rookie. Is, is he, yeah. No yeah. one's not a rookie. Right. Right. I mean, we've never, I mean, we all go back to Dan Marino and maybe he wasn't. <laughs> but, but every rookie quarterback, even the ones that's had good years, were rookies. Let's move on to uh, next big TV game of the day. It's a 125 start on Fox. Cowboys 2 at the Redskins. And I know we're going to have a crossfire on the way here. Yeah, this is exciting. So Colin Cowherd does his Blazing 5. Every Friday we tape a podcast where my Waz guys grade, and Fez is a big part of that, grade Colin's picks and this is one where Fezzik very much disagrees with Colin. So we're going to let Colin have his say, and then Fez has his. Cowboys at Redskins. Oh, this is tasty. Dallas only has to give up two and a half. Like it. I love it. First of all, they've always played very well against Washington. They've won 12 of the last 17. And the Cowboys have won at Washington the last four times they've been there. And since week four, they were sloppy early, but the Cowboys are now averaging 450 net yards per game. And the Redskins can sputter offensively. They only have eight, ten play drives this season, does Washington. That's the second fewest in the NFL. I like Dallas to win. Washington, Monday Night Football on a short week. 28-23, Cowboys. Calling on the Cowboys. R.J. Bell on the Cowboys. The wise guys in aggregate on the Cowboys. Mr. Steve Fezzik. I think it's an overreaction to the fact we had one week of data where Dallas played the perfect game against the 49ers. The look-ahead line on this game was Dallas plus one. Everything Colin said was true 
last week as well. So you could have had the Cowboys plus one. No one wanted them then. So the look-ahead line is in Vegas. You can bet next week's games before this week's games are played, and it's a good gauge to say, well, how did the one game's perception affect things? Right. So as I'm watching the Cowboy game, I'm thinking to myself, ooh, this is going to juice this line against the Redskins. I might even get the Redskins plus two and a half or even plus three. And I'm getting excited to bet the Redskins. And I thought it would have been one of my biggest bets of the year. However, it's true. The Redskins have cluster injury on the O-line. And that is the Maybe big we're issue. underselling that right now. Four of their five players are injured. From what I'm hearing, two might play and two not. But still, it's one, when you have one player out, it's one thing on the line. When you have two and then the other ones are banged up and you're swapping people around, mm-mm. It's a great point, although the Cow- And the market doesn't properly value such injuries. However, the Cowboys, I can argue, have their own cluster injuries. They had all, their entire secondary leave the team before the year started. I think that defense is going to come back to earth big time now when they play a real quarterback. And they have cluster injuries with Sean Lee, with the linebackers. How this game's going to play out, RJ, is does the pass rush of Dallas, which is very good, obliterate that Washington line? That's really the question. Last thing about this, and I'm speaking for the wise guys and myself against you Fez here Dallas Cowboys last four seasons the second most road wins road wins in the NFL only the Patriots have more this is a good road team you're wrong I still feel like that was a win for Fezzik over you and Coward are you crazy (laughs) I almost you almost got fired right there if your judgment was that bad I always feel the tie should you know, go to Pez, the runner. You should, you should feel so bad that he actually thought saying that would be a joke. It was like, let me be funny and act like Fezzik won that one. I think the tie should go to the runner on this because what we all are know. You talking about? Whenever we debate, if it's equal, I should win because you're the better debater. The, you hear the music in the background? But you're the better debater. That means so stop we, talking. <laughs> we got Sunday Night Football to get to on the way back. Steelers and the Lions. Lions haven't won on Sunday night this century. More numbers from that game on the way. Straight out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. The Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com. 15 minutes ago. I can't believe I'm even back here. I thought I was I thought I thought was out for the rest of the show because I gave Crossfire victory to Fezzik. And, boy, you blew your top. No, no, no. You're misrepresenting. Is That's what I, I do. I, I, <laughs> yes. Thank you. We can move on. You're going to say that a lot as long as I'm around. I do like to twist, especially when we have a little time to, to let things marinate. Well, I thought if your judgment was so poor that you thought Fezzik won that crossfire, then we can't trust you even to go get sandwiches. <laughs> who is the box? Who is the boxing judge that gave the fight to the wrong fighter? Yeah, she's uh, she's blind. Adelaide Bird. Yeah, that was All a bad right. call on my part. Steelers and Lions, Sunday Night Football. Steelers laying three. I, I love some of the trends in this game, and you guys got me really thinking about a play against the Steelers. Well, listen, you weren't thinking before the show. You submitted. You've got a play mm-hmm. on the line, so make your case. Yeah. So uh, I don't trust this team in prosperity in times uh, when things are going well. I still think there are issues behind the scenes. We see it with the receivers. You realize they've made themselves a little worse by having to discipline Martavis Bryant. In good times, this is going on. So now that things are rolling, 
I don't know with a bye week on the way that this team is going to be fired up and disciplined to play a really good top-notch game. Fez, Schuster, um, what's his status for this game? I don't know if he's playing. Yeah, so that's what's interesting because with Bryant and then he's in concussion protocol, if I'm not mistaken. So I agree with that. Here's, and I agree with you, Cofield, about the following. If you can figure out the Steelers' motivation, you've got your bat, right? Because this is a team that has, I think the difference between their highest highs and their lowest lows is the biggest difference of any team in the NFL, the Steelers. And I was thinking, okay, they beat Kansas City. They beat Cincinnati, which if you're not a big AFC North, that is a, you know, with perfect, you know, to me, in my opinion, as a fan, this is a guy they should look into criminal charges, but that's me when it comes to perfect. But that's my fan hat is that's a tough game. Now, is it, you know, it's the Lions It's in the NFC, but here's what swayed me. I like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has won six straight Sunday night football games by an average of over 20 points per game. So Tomlin and this team, it, they've shown they take these the bright lights of Sunday night seriously. I like Pittsburgh. Fazlin or like? I like Detroit. You bring up some great points that I'd rather it be a Sunday day game than a night game because Pittsburgh always has questionable motivations. Tomlin getting his team ready. They'll be ready because it's prime time. But I got to tell you, RJ, basic strategy for me, when I see a team that, like Colin says, oftentimes not buttoned up, that gets a arguably a game of the year win against Kansas City and then a huge division win. But doesn't that comment there saying a game of the year went off Kansas City and then another impressive win belie your argument that they don't string together wins? Well, I think they hate the Bengals, so they got sky eye for this. Okay. I think they're making tea times. They're 0-5-1 before they're by. And I could see and that's them, ATS. ATS. And I could see them fat and happy and planning their touchdown celebrations more than their game planning. One more thing for you. Because you're the Steeler guy, so when you they're, put when you point, Steve, no one can hear it on the. They're radio. running the ball a lot, right? <laughs> the, uh, three of the last four games, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon yes. Bell got 32 carries or more. Is that because they are they want to lean on Le'Veon Bell, or they're really worried about Big Ben right on the edge of that cliff? Like, I hey, we don't want this guy I, throwing too much. I think it's both. I think it's one and the same. Okay. Right? Is and I also think this a little inside football here. They had a contract with Bell. It was like, yeah. hey, no, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Hang up the phone. Yeah. We've got a deal. Bell signed in July. And then between the time they hung up the phone and signed the contract, he backed out. And I'm telling you, and again, I don't know the exact dynamic with, you know, one of the Roonies passing away uh, recently and, and who's making the decisions and all that exactly, right? I know what they, they say in the papers, but... I got a feeling Bell won't be back next year. I mean, I know no one thinks that. And if so, why not run him a lot? Steelers are my number it's two. It's like a rental car. <laughs> exactly. Steelers are tied for number who, two. Who washes a rental car? <laughs> number two in the NFL. They're tied in my power ratings because of their elite defenses here. Yeah. And that's another point before we move on. This Steelers defense, could, you know, is I was debating, hey, are they top 10? three, four, five weeks ago, I mean, this is a top five defense, and they're young, so I think they're trending upwards. Remember, though, Shazier gets dinged up a lot when he's healthy, and that whole linebacker core is healthy. This Steeler defense is good. Monday Night Football, Denver, seven and a half they're uh, getting against Kansas City. I guess the big question is Denver at quarterback right now. Yeah, so Fez, here's my assessment. Simeon 
healthy is a 23rd, 25th type quarterback in the league with a really good team at home, you know, a team behind him, he can win some games, but certainly you're not going to lean on him. But from what I understand, that shoulder, it's the weakness in Simeon's shoulder is the defenses are pressing the line and it's like, hey, they're daring him to throw and he can't. And thus, in the NFL, it doesn't matter how bad a defense is relative to the 32 teams. If you can't throw deep, that defense is going to, you know, approach the, you know, press, I guess is the right way to say it. And I think Denver laying a goose egg in LA after being embarrassed by the Giants the week before, to me, one loss doesn't mean anything in the NFL because there's ebbs and flows. But when you get embarrassed and you get embarrassed the second week, that's a sign of a fundamental problem. That's what I think we have with Denver. Spot on. Last Sunday was their home run spot against the Chargers to bring it and they got shut out. You could argue, oh, it's another home run spot. How many can you possibly have? Last year, Simeon was injured and because of that, he was ineffective, and Denver fell off the cliff. How could he go downfield even if he was healthy? His number two wide receiver, Sanders, is out. Number one wide receiver, Demarius Thomas, not close to 100%. So lean or like in this game? I like Kansas City. Like. like. You're laying over a touchdown with a like. Home run spot for Kansas City. 5-0, and best team in the AFC. Um, game of the year for the Steelers, they barely lose. Game of the year for Oakland, they lose a coin flip. They could be 7-0. and the hapless Browns are in London. The Vikings are there to take them on in the early start at 930. I think there are so many cool storylines in this game. Well, listen, this is history. This is the first game in five years that I've publicly, and the first game that I've bet, laying nine and a half. Now, I know it looks like I was right, at least with the line move. Minnesota's up to 10, 10 and a half in some spots. But I think one, and Steve, you seem to like underdogs, Cofield, I'm not sure. Maybe like, you know, growing up and such, you related to underdogs. <laughs> but the but the fact of the matter <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that this Kaiser is having the worst season of any quarterback this century. I mean, it's pretty simple. This century, his quarterback rating is 47 or this year, and there hasn't been a quarterback this century with a season that bad that qualified. And you, we were on local radio, and you were defending him. I'm not well, sure why. You know what? I came at you with someone from last century, Joe Pasarczyk in 77. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. I feel bad for Kaiser. Someone's got to stand up for him. No one else is. <laughs> I, I had my little Terry Bradshaw. I was seven years old in my Terry Bradshaw <laughs> jersey. But to me, it's not just that. It's losing Joe Thomas for the first— I mean, imagine having a situation where— you're horrible, like you have a horrible business or a horrible something, you know, maybe, you know, you're at a college and you only have one friend and, and lo and behold, that friend's gone. They say, now what, right? That absence is going to be glaring when that's been the rock Thomas that the Browns have been able to lean on. And lastly, and we were talking about this on the break, I've never seen a matchup where it's strength against weakness for Minnesota on offense where Minnesota passes really effectively. They're the second most reliant passing team, even with Case Keenum. And the Browns are good against the run, but horrible against the pass. You flip it around, the Browns actually run pretty effectively, but Minnesota's very good against the run. So you got Minnesota's offense against the weakness of the Browns' D. You got the Browns with a decent ability to run against the strength of Minnesota. And one other factor... Laying the lumber here. 
is the coach Williams, right? What's it? Greg, Greg Williams, Greg yeah, Williams. Long time DC, DC Brown at the, the Browns was a DC with the 49ers two years ago. And the coach Zimmer for Minnesota was adamant, adamant that Williams was, uh, you know, having cheap shot artists or whatever you want to call that, that, that it was a cheap shotting team. And from what I'm hearing is, and again, he said in a press conference, Oh, I forgot about that. If he has a chance to put an extra touchdown on the board, I think he will. This, to me, is the greatest big favorite I've seen in five years, Minnesota. Yeah, I lean Minnesota also. RJ was disappointed because early in the week I said I leaned Cleveland. Wait, when you say early in the week, you mean three hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let him do this to you. There's no fighting Documented on Wednesday, I leaned to Cleveland because of the trend. A winless team, that's the teams we bet on. If you haven't won, you're motivated. They looked back at how Cleveland did last year. They were winless. They went eight straight weeks without covering a spread from week 7 to 15. And then I looked at everything that RJ had said, and Miles Garrett on defense is out. So here, they don't want to be there. They don't want to go to London. This is a horrible trip, and Minnesota's hiring sleep cycle experts, taking this super serious. They're going to kill them. And by the way, this is a small factor. They were woken up for an hour at 5 a.m. yesterday because of fire. I guess there was a gas leak or something. So even then, the Browns aren't getting a break. Bills Raiders on the way, but first, Ralph Irvin with an update and the latest on USC and Arizona State. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, and it is a final there in the Valley of the Sun. Number 21, Southern Cal finishes off Arizona State 48-17. to One of their games still going on for those that are holding tickets. San Diego State 28-7. to They lead at Hawaii 5.50 to go. In the fourth quarter earlier, number six, Ohio State, the big upset winner over number two, Penn State, 39-35. to Meanwhile, the World Series, well, it is all tied at two games apiece, and it's a good night to be a Dodger. There goes the runner, and a fly ball to right. Reddick going back. It's a three-run home run for Jock Peterson. The Dodgers explode in the ninth. They score five. And that's AM570 LA Sports and the Dodgers Radio Network with the call 6-2 the final as LA evens the series at two games apiece. Game 5 will be Sunday with True Car. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And guys, we are just seven hours away from that game that you were just talking about. Minnesota taking on Cleveland in London, first time Cleveland's been there since a preseason American Bowl game long, long, long ago. Don't bet the Browns. Well, this is like the uh, the strongest favorite I've ever heard you speak about. And then we also didn't even it's hit, like on, a the, perfect storm. hit I, on the crazy variants in, in London, too, where all the games this year have just stunk. Listen, you sit there and you're squinting and you're working and you've been looking at your four screens for hours and hours and hours. And then the next day, it's hours and hours. And finally, everything comes together. Now, listen, maybe this is a 57 percenter. Maybe. But remember, guys, as confident as I am, and this is very important, no bet is better, you know, let's say in the long run, even if you could bet every game Fezzik had exactly when he bet it, you're going to hit 55%. So don't ever think there's locks. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of different sites that do what pregame.com does. At least we think it's we're doing different things, but it's a similar goal, right? Is they want to provide good information or get at least they want your business. 
I'm not telling you don't go to X or Y, but any place that tells you it's easy to win, run the other way. That's that is the the, the sign. If it's easy to win, they are lying to you. That's RJ Bell and Steve Cofield in the Wise Guys chair. Fezic, this is another one of those Fezic against the world. The Bills. There are a lot of people who believe the Bills are a top 10 team. The Bills host the Raiders. They're laying two and a half. You are still not sold on Buffalo? I got Buffalo 21st best team in the NFL, a one point worse than an average team. You know, in their statistical profile, it backs it up. This team's averaging 4.7 yards per play. They give up 5.2. So their defense is pretty darn good above average, but their offense is really struggling. Part of that is they run the ball a whole lot. But uh, we saw that when they went to Cincinnati. So when you say run the ball is if you blend runs and passes in yards per play and even a bad passing team gets more yards per attempt than a good running team. Thus, if you pass more, you're going to have more yards per play on offense. So someone might say, why not pass all the time? Well, when you pass, more bad things can happen like sacks, strip sacks, fumbles, interceptions, etc. So you're kind of trading risk the riskiness of passing for greater efficiency if things go right. And the riskiness of injury. Your quarterback's eventually going to get killed as well, so you've got to run the ball some more. I, I really think the narrative of this, the Bills got lucky to beat Tampa Bay. If they had lost that game against Tampa Bay and it was a coin flip, came down to a fumble on a kickoff return with the game tied, we'd be saying right now, why isn't Oakland favored in this game? Well, so you think that coin flip would have had where Oakland would have been favored? Because Oakland right now is three and four. And if the Bills had lost that game, they'd be three and three. Right, and you're saying Oakland would be a road favorite? They would be, and here's why. Ah, BS. Be- this is why. <laughs> because the wise guys look at the stats in these two teams, and Oakland has the better stats despite to, the fact. To, to what degree? So yards per, if we look at net yards per play. Oakland's minus 0.3, and Buffalo's minus 0.5. They're comparable. <laughs> okay. But Carr, but Carr missed the Baltimore game, which was a complete and utter debacle with Manuel, and he missed. He, he came back too early in, against the Chargers. But what's the net yards per play of Oakland's games with Carr? They're, they would be positive. But, I mean, are we sure about how I'll bad? What was you. the net yards per play? I just because just because the, the car didn't start doesn't mean it was a bad net. The Chargers actually had a better net yards per play than the Patriots did last week. Yeah, certainly the Patriots oftentimes have skewed finals. I'll look that up for you. Um, I'll t- I'll take out the Baltimore game. But I will agree with this to wrap on this game is I think the Bills have gotten some coin flips. But the Raiders have gotten a ton of coin flips, too, because don't forget, the perception of the Raiders are affected by last year's 12-4 and four season. And if you would have flipped the Raiders' close wins, so seven points or less, made those losses and the losses wins. And if it's a true coin flip, hey, it could happen, right? They would have been the Raiders 5-11 and 11 last year. You, what would the line have been in this game if the Raiders were 5-11 and 11 last year and below 500 this year? Then Bills would be favored by 6.5. Four. Four. But you Either bring up right. a great point. There's no team that the wise guys hated more than the Raiders coming into this year with a season win number of nine and, and a half to ten. And by the way, the Raiders last year, their their net yards per play was minus point five. This year it's minus point three. Is it really that much of a different team? Yeah, because they had to play two and two games without Carr. Saints are laying nine and a half against the Bears. I would think the uh Top subject would be Trubisky against the very decorated Drew Brees, but actually the Saints defense is worth discussing. Yeah, I, I, and Fez is the one that really turned me on to this. Is, and we asked him in the dream preview, and it's worth mentioning because you can listen before the games coming up on Sunday, is we did about a 90-minute deep dive, Fezzik, me, and 
bookmaker Matty Holt. We're going to hear his best bet coming up in a few minutes. And it, it, it was a situation with the well, – well, I guess – why don't I let you explain it when it comes to what you've seen with the Saints? Yeah, so the Saints, the story in them is very easy. Every year they have an elite offense that's like top five with Breeze. And every year they have a bottom five defense, so they win seven games. They can't stop anyone. They give up six yards per play. This year, their defense is almost average. And that doesn't sound very good if you're like the 18th best defense in the league. But when you have an elite offense, all of a sudden you become similar to the Patriots. And what I really like also about this defense, turnovers are largely random. You look at that Detroit line game. They got like three uh, defensive touchdowns. They're absolutely being aggressive on defense, getting turnovers also. And you're talking about the Saints. Real quick, the Bears had a real misleading final last week, two return touchdowns, but it was so misleading everyone's been talking about it, so I don't think too many people are getting confused by that. And also, if you look at the Saints, football outsiders, they're actually more efficient running the ball this year than passing. So not only do they have a decent defense, they're able to run better than in years past the Saints. Yeah, I leaned to New Orleans, and I think you, you nailed it. The Bears, because of the way they won the last couple of weeks, just running the ball, being super conservative, they're going to try that same game plan. It will be a disaster. The Saints put up 30 on everyone. Falcons are laying six, six and a half at the Jets. Really? That much after that New England game? Well, this is what happened. If you look at the look-ahead line in this game, so before that New England game, the line was Atlanta favored by seven. After they got beat badly, at least in appearances sake, we were talking about the stats not showing it, is the line opened up here, what, five, Faz, you saw? Four, four All the way to four, four and a half. And my thought was, wow, that's way too much adjustment off of just one game. And now, though, it's drifted back up. So I think it's one of those examples at four, four and a half, there was value on the Falcons. I think moving towards seven, the line's right. Yeah, and I lean to the Jets because of the latest weather forecast. One thing we've seen with Atlanta, that's a precision offense that operates great in a dome. we got 17-mile-hour winds and rain. And last thing, when you have a road favorite, and that road favorite is actually motivated, and that's the thing. Oftentimes with a road favor, you've got to worry about the team's motivation. Are they looking ahead? You know the Falcons are not looking ahead. Another reason, I think, to lean Falcons. Three best bets on the way, including one from the Panthers and Buccaneers game. That's up next, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news, there's a quick way. For you to save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Wise Guys Chair, Fezzik, he'll have his best bet up here in less than three minutes. R.J. Bell, Steve Cofield. Boy, Indianapolis is getting 10 against the Bengals. Is this possible? The Bengals are ranked in the 20s. They're laying 10? That's where I made it, but my interest is in the total. I'm going over the 41 and a half. Last week, Cincinnati played Pittsburgh. The total was 41 and a half. This week, they're playing Indianapolis. The total, again, is 41 and a half. Pittsburgh arguably has the best defense in the NFL. The Colts have the worst. If the game went over against Pittsburgh, it's certainly going to go over against Indy. And that's what people don't realize about the Colts. Andrew Luck's absence, yeah, that's obvious. Yards per play, they're 31 on defense. This is certainly the Colts, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Best bet time. One of your experts from the Dream Preview is all over Carolina and the Tampa game. Yeah, this is Matty Holt, the biggest bookmaker in Las Vegas, vice president of CG Technology. They take more bets than anyone. On the Dream Preview, we get his expertise, and this is his best bet on the Panthers game. 
Carolina last week completely dominated the stats on the road at the Chicago Bears. Two 75-yard returns led to their demise last week. And Cam Newton, in these games where he tends to get behind in that, you see him in the fourth quarter, he just becomes that pouty guy. But he has actually been a stud against division foes. Tampa Bay defense allowing 29.5 points per game last three games. Cam Newton goes on the road this week at Tampa Bay. Carolina wins the stats again this week, except this week they win the game as well. I like the Panthers. Panthers best bet from Holt. Before we get Fez's thoughts on that game, let's hear from Gray Cosell about Cam Newton because you can't really think about Carolina without thinking about Cam. And Cosell, 37 years in NFL films, he's got his insight. Despite his, his his size and his ability to throw the ball very hard, and certainly his running ability, ultimately because he's a very inconsistent passer who struggles with ball placement, he becomes a function of the rest of his offense. He's not truly a passer who can carry a team. So that's interesting. We were talking about Notre Dame the first hour. If they can run, they're a very, very good team. But maybe they can't run against Alabama, let's say. Maybe we'll see that. What he's saying about Cam is is if he has to throw, the guy who won the MVP a couple years ago, you can't rely on him. So, one, that's a heck of a statement. But, two, it seems like a good way to handicap Carolina is if Cam has to throw, look to play against him. Who do you like in this game, Fess? Yeah, I like the uh, Cam Newton to get it done here. And the reason is the Tampa Bay defense is so horrendous. I think Cam will have great success. Look at these teams that are succeeding against the D. Chicago, Minnesota, New York Giants, Arizona, and Buffalo. Not only does Tampa Bay have terrible stats on defense, they played a cupcake schedule of bad offenses. And I think that's so important. Strength of schedule, if you just, and one of the things I do, and guys, if you like the numbers, on my Twitter, it's at RJ in Vegas is I put out every Thursday right before kickoff of the NFL game is it's the offensive yards per play for every team, the defensive, the net, and the difference between last season, year over year, the turnover margin, and the strength of schedule. But that strength of schedule is for the team overall. But if you're looking at offenses and defenses, especially early in the year or even the midpoint of the year, how good – are the offenses a defense played against? That can tell you a lot about the numbers and how meaningful they are. And you make a good point, Fez. Tampa Bay's D isn't good statistically, and they've played on in that net some really, really weak offenses. Yeah, Patriots and a whole bunch of bad offenses that Carolina has a better offense than. The poor Chargers. The vagabond Chargers go to New England. Patriots are laying seven. Cofield, the Rutgers product says vagabond. I'm sort of impressed. We got my best bet coming up. <laughs> We've got Fezzik's best bet coming up. And whenever we talk best bets, we're taking off the rubber band. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? All right, well, I'm taking my roll, taking off the rubber band, and I'm betting the Chargers. Seven and a half, plus seven and a half. And to me, that's the key number because, and this is actually a pick Colin had, and I agreed with it with my wise guys. Last 17 road games for the Chargers, they've lost by more than a touchdown twice. Now, listen, New England's better than the average team, but when you're playing so well on the road that you only get, you get beat by a touch or more than a touchdown only twice, and you're getting seven and a half against a Pats team without Hightower, 
and he is the quarterback of that defense. So week one especially, that's going to affect things. Also, we've been hearing about, oh, the trend line is up for the Patriots D. Well, last three games with Hightower, yards per play, number 25 in the NFL. They were 32 initially. So, yeah, they've improved from 32 to 25. But I have a – and here's the last one. And, Fez, you gave me this stat last week, and I've carried it with me. If all you do is bet the road team and Chargers games. So when the Chargers are in L.A., bet their opponent. When they're on the road, bet them. Six and one against the spread this year. Why is that? Because they have such a weak home field advantage in L.A. They tend to be underrated on the road because they're getting graded like they're a typical home team in those home games. They're not because that stadium, that soccer stadium, is such a negative. And the fans from the other teams have been taking up half the stadium. So I do my best bet of the week is on the Chargers. I cannot wait to see uh, Brady against that defensive line and all those sacks and Ingram and this kid McCain coming up. Which makes me think there'll be, and Lombardi talked about this, Mike Lombardi, makes me think they'll be even conservative when if they do get a little bit of a lead because they don't want Brady taking those hits. That's bedtime for Fezzik, the poor Niners, getting 12 and a half at the dominant Eagles. I can hear the listeners booing right now, but it is basic strategy 101 here betting. Philly, back-to-back, primetime wins Thursday night against Carolina, then Monday night. They get both of the wins. They're cruising to the division title. But key injury, O-lineman Jason Peters is out. And Wentz, they got to keep standing upright. He's taken a lot of hits, a lot of pressure on him. They're going to run the ball more than they normally do. San Francisco, they're no great shakes, but we like winless teams to go ahead and back them in the NFL. That's a trend that has won for years. The fact they got blasted by the Cowboys is not a negative. It's a positive in terms of motivation. They hung in the five games before this, lost them all by three or less. They hang in here. All right, so let's talk about these 0 and 4 and worst teams. Now, we did fade the Browns, but it's a situation where if you're 0 and 4 and worse, it's 56% the last 30 years. But if you got beat by more than 20 points a game before, it's over 60%. So you're right. The public finally says, I want no part of that team. Well, that's when you want to jump on. I do have one concern, though. Philadelphia has reached a new pinnacle. I don't think teams let down when they get to that new pinnacle for the first time because they don't want to drop down. So to me, I do think you're going to have a motivated Philly team. So I only lean San Francisco. Jonas Knox is on the way. The Colin pod must listen. So, Colin, we grade those picks. We have the dream preview. We're going to have this show, if you didn't get all two hours of it, up on at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. We'll see you next Friday, straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 